Then I saw him in the crowd. A lot of people had gathered round him. The beggar shouted, the lepers called him. The old man said nothing, he just stared about him. Before his feet he fell Unclean, so the leper rang his bell Felt the palm of a hand touch his head Go now, go now, you're a new man instead Good evening and welcome to The Third Eye. This is Elliot Reynolds, Sunday night, 8.30. Tonight, 
Who were the Magi? Who were real magicians? Who visited the child Christ? Why are they the most mysterious characters in the Bible? Where did they come from and when? Do we celebrate Christmas on the correct date? Is the Bible and Old Testament just an inspired copy of earlier works? We started tonight off with a fantastic tune by local musician Gilberto Nova. It's a piece, an uh, American Indian inspired piece he wrote called We Are One. And the first piece we wrote, and the second piece we played, was a song called Jesus, sung by Freddie Mercury and Queen. It's from the first Queen album, I think that was 1973. Farouche Bulsara was Freddie's name, and Farouche was born in Zanzibar, brought up Zoroastrian. So we're going to have a little look at the Zoroastrian history and how it sort of relates to Christ tonight, especially coming into this Christmas season. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, play something that sort of comes from the Persian or Farsian region. And this next one is called Persian Land, Tasnif, by Ali Ariza Gobani with the Ial Ensemble. Sitar Solo by Pavis Mishkatian.
wise men from the east. This is from the Gospel of Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When the local king Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Where did they come from? The big clue is the word the Bible originally used to describe them in the Gospel of Matthew. It was never wise men, but magi. This is a Farzin, or Persian word, not Greek, like the rest of the New Testament Gospels. It means Persian priest, a follower of the ancient religion of Zoroaster. So let's head to where they came from, modern Iran. In Iran, there is a Zoroastrian shrine. Inside is a flame that is supposedly not being extinguished in over 2,000 years. This is one of the few that remain from the era of the Magi that went to Bethlehem. The Zoroastrians believe, just like the Jews, in the coming of a Messiah whose virgin birth would be heralded by a star. Zoroaster is believed to have lived between the 7th century BC and 1000 BC in Medea, where a century earlier the king of Assyria had placed the Israelites in captivity in the cities of Medes, and after he died they were transferred to Babylon.
Some reports say that Moses reportedly wrote the first books of the Old Testament in the Bible in the 5th and 6th centuries BC. So, the Magi were looking for a star, and it was written it would lead them to a Messiah. There is a second clue that ties these Magi to ancient Persia. In Ravenna, Italy, there is a mosaic from the 6th century AD, and it depicts one of the earliest extant pieces of Christian art, with these three magi wearing pointed hats, tunics, and trousers. In Persia's most famous palace ruins, the palace complex of Persepolis, the Great Eastern Staircase leading to the heart of the palace here the Persians depicted the different people within their empire. Of particular note to the Magi is the section of the staircase depicting the Parthians. The Parthian Empire ran from around 247 BC to 224 BC, around 200 years. Sorry, 224 AD, so around 400 years, sorry also known as the Arsacic Ars Acid Empire, say that fast three times, was a major Iranian political and cultural power in ancient Iran and were firmly entrenched at the time of Jesus of Nazareth. The figure on this staircase carved in Iran, the figures are wearing trousers. Archaeology and history reveals that only the Parthians wore trousers in the Middle East in those days. Other trouser-wearing peoples were known previously in China, Scotland and Ireland. Trousers have been traced to Western China along the Silk Road as early as the 13th century BC. The pointed hats on the staircase in the carvings on these magi were also shown on the Parthians and just as shown in the mosaic in Ravenna in Italy. So we could hazard a pretty good guess that the three kings came from Persia. When did they visit Jesus? Jesus was not born in the year most people think. This is the fault of a monk called Dionysius. He was asked to create a new Christian calendar to replace the old pagan Roman one. He decided to start the new calendar with the birth of Christ. He based his calculations on how many years each Roman emperor had reigned. Counting back from emperor to emperor to emperor, adding up their reigns to calculate the birth of Christ. The problem, however, appears at the time of Emperor Augustus. It is during his reign that Christ is born. Note this. Augustus reigned from 31 BC to 14 AD 
He also documented, he's also documented to reign from 27 BC, four years later, to 14 AD. So why the discrepancy of four years in different records? The first four years of his reign, he ruled under his given name of Octavian. Unfortunately, when doing his calculations, Dionysius forgot those four years. So, his calendar is already out by four years, at least. The other major error is not counting the year zero. Think about the millennium just recently. 98, 99, 2000, 2001, etc. But around the time of Christ, when this calendar was made, or referenced from, it allowed for no year zero. Dionysius forgot to put it in. So it went from 2 BC, 1 BC, 1 AD, 2 AD. There was no year zero. So there goes another year. Dionysius, he's now five years off. So by that calculation, our millennium uh, celebrations should have been in 1995. And Jesus was born in 5 or 6 BC. By the time Dionysius wrote his calendar, the date had been long forgotten. So the church adopted a convenient midwinter celebration, the birth of the sun god Sol Invictus, December the 25th. It has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus, but that's why we celebrate Christmas on December the 25th. So, the Magi were known as the most amazing astrologers that for over a thousand BC had mapped the skies and invented early versions of calculus to allow for elliptical orbits and all sorts of other mathematical wonders that was lost to science and reinvented, so to speak, in the Renaissance. So let's have a look at the star that these magi followed. When was there a star like the one mentioned? Let's roll back an astronomical map to 5 or 6 BC. What would appear like a star to guide these Persians? The solution to this mystery and this star of Bethlehem can be found in an ancient coin found and held by Professor Molnar at the University of Rikers. Molnar is a professor of astronomy and ancient astrology. He has proven that the ram on the coin and the star, well, the ram was associated by ancient astrologers with the land of Judea. The coin which has the Aries symbol and a star, the Aries as we know is the ram. What event in the sky could ancient Persian astrologers have seen? Jupiter was known as the regal star, the star of kings. This is key. The first day it appears is April the 17th, 6 BC, in the eastern sky above Judea, and would have caused such excitement. This only happened once in a lifetime. Saturn, Jupiter, and the sun in Aries 
in conjunction. Very rare. So it wasn't really a star at all. It was one star and two planets. More evidence lays with the shepherds who are watching their flocks at night. Sheep cannot be kept out at night in Judea in winter, which is December, as they will die. April through September, flocks are kept in the fields. Listening to Bidad by Parviz Meshkatian. And coming up, Mogadame by Le Sombo Dustin.
next up we have Arabesque by Venn. Anyway, anywhere. There is also significance in the type of gifts that the Magi presented. The gold, frankincense and myrrh. Each one represents one aspect of Jesus. Gold represents his kingship. Frankincense was a symbol of his priestly role. And myrrh, an anointing oil used in the preparation for a burial, which prefigures his sacrificial death. Zoroastrianism, or Mazda Yasna, is one of the world's oldest continually practiced religions. It is a multifaceted faith centered on a dualistic cosmology of good and evil, and an eschatology predicting the ultimate conquest of evil with theological elements of henotheism, monotheism, monism, and polytheism. Ascribed to the teachings of the Iranian-speaking spiritual leader Zoroaster, also known as Zarathustra, it exalts an uncreated and benevolent deity of wisdom. Ahura Mazda, which translates as wise lord, is its supreme being. Historical features of Zoroastrianism, such as messianism, judgment after death, heaven and hell, and free will, may have influenced other religions and philosophical systems, including Second Temple Judaism, Gnosticism, Greek philosophy, Christianity, Islam, the Baha'i faith, and Buddhism. With possible roots dating back to the second millennium BC, Zoroastrianism enters recorded history in the 5th century BCE. Of course, its writings do not necessarily denote when the thought started. It served as the state religion of the ancient Iranian empires for more than a millennium, from around 600 BC to 650 CE, but declined from the 7th century onwards following the Muslim conquest of Persia of 633 to 654 AD. Recent estimates place the number of Zoroastrians at around 110,000 to 120,000 at most, with the majority living now in India, Iran and North America. Their numbers, like many religions in the world, is declining. Listening to Latitudes, the ambient rework by Eagle Lake.
Mrs. Light Trails by Ken Verhege from the album Light Trails. Grab your cup of tea, sit back and relax. Welcome to Sunday night. This is the third eye. most important texts of the religion are those of the Avesta, which includes as central the writings of Zoroaster known as the Gathas, enigmatic ritual poems that define the religion's precepts, which is within Yasna, the main worship service of modern Zoroastrianism. The religious philosophy of Zoroaster divided the early Iranian gods of the proto-Indian Iranian tradition into Ahuras and Devas, the latter of which were not considered worthy of worship. Zoroaster proclaimed that Ahura Mazda was the supreme creator, the creative and sustaining forth of the universe through Asha and that human beings are given a right of choice between supporting Ahura Mazda or not, making them responsible for their choices. Through Ahura Mazda, though Ahura Mazda has no equal or contesting force, Angra Mainyu, which translates as destructive spirit or mentality, whose forces are born from Akamana, evil thought, is considered the main advers adversarial force of the religion, standing against Spenta Mainyu, 
which is creative spiritual mentality. Middle Persian literature developed Angra Mainyu further into Ariman and advancing him to be the direct adversary of Ahura Mazda. In Zoroastrianism, Asha, meaning truth or cosmic order, the life force that originates from Ahura Mazda stands in opposition to Durj, which is falsehood or deceit, and Ahura Mazda is considered to be all good with no evil emanating from the deity. Ahura Mazda works in Getik, the visible material realm, and Menuk, the invisible spiritual and mental realm, through the seven Amesha Spentas, the direct emanations of Ahura Mazda, and the host of other Yazatas, literally meaning worthy of worship, who all worship Ahura, Ahura Mazda in the Avesta and other texts, and who Ahura Mazda requests worship towards in the same texts. Zoroastrianism is not uniform in theological and philosophical thought, especially with historical and modern influences having a significant impact on individual and local beliefs, practices, values, vocabulary, sometimes merging with tradition, in other cases displacing it. Modern Zoroastrianism, however, tends, like many religions, to divide itself into either reformist or traditionalist camps, with various smaller movements arising. In Zoroastrianism, the purpose in life is to become an Ashavan, a master of Asha, and to bring happiness into the world, which contributes to the cosmic battle against evil. track there was Serenity by Man From Mars from the album Mars Memory and coming up we have Extal from Aphex Twin sit back and enjoy welcome to the third eye on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 
listening to The Third Eye. This is Tasunka Witko Crazy Horse.
With Elliot Reynolds on RBM 89.1. We just listened to two tracks from Gilberto Nova's latest CD. The first one was called Thasunka Witko, which translates as Crazy Horse. And the one, the track, the, the last track was Red Road. Tonight we're discussing the Magi. 
Where did they come from? Some of the most mysterious characters in the Bible. They journey from an unnamed land to Bethlehem in Judea, bearing gifts to a Christ child. And then they disappear. Cologne Cathedral is the largest Gothic cathedral in Northern Europe. It was built for one purpose, to house the bones of the three kings. Archaeologists reckon the bones stored here may be the real deal. What we know about these kings, first up, it was only mentioned in the New Testament Christian book of Matthew. And on many Christmas cards, it shows three kings, three wise men or three camels. But it never says there were three. It only states they brought three gifts. There are some theories abound that it could have been whole villages that arrived. In the New Testament, there are four versions of the life of Christ. It's only mentioned in Matthew and nowhere else. The earliest copy of this book may be found at Oxford University and was purchased by a tourist in Egypt in 1901. Scholars now believe that this was written within living memory of Jesus, which is quite rare for the Gospels. And as we shared at the beginning of the program, it only has a couple of lines about these mysterious magi. From where the word magician comes from. As we've discussed in other programs, there are different kinds of magicians. As in priests, illusionists, and others. We're going to have a listen now to the soundtrack of Deserted Station by Payman Yazdanian from his album Second Take. Thanks for joining us.
That was Soundtrack of Deserted Station Part 1 by Payman Yazdanian from the album Second Take. Tonight, thanks for joining us. You're listening to The Third Eye with Elliot Reynolds on RBM 89.1. If you'd like to contact the show, you can contact us at via email on thethirdeyeshow at gmail.com. Next week, we have two wonderful people who are into yoga and Kate and Stephen Phillips. And they're bringing in some expertise about yoga, chanting and acupuncture. More from the East. It's going to be a really special program. I hope you can join us. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's program so far about these enigmatic characters called the Magi and this strange date of April 17, 16, April 17, 6 BC, when in the eastern sky above Judea, Saturn, Jupiter and the Sun sat in conjunction in Aries. We've learnt these magi came from the east. They wore pointed hats and trousers that in the Middle East were very, very particular to the Parthian people who lived around the Babylonian or modern Iranian region. Coins that have been found from that era have Aries and the star in the sky. And so if we go back to April 176 BC and the birth of a child in Bethlehem, the Magi, way across the desert in Iran, would have seen that and come as a sign. To follow their path, we go from Iran and we can't cross the Arabian desert is very few, especially in those days, would survive such a trip through the desert. So they had to travel north to modern-day Aleppo, and then south to Jerusalem to meet Herod, and then south again to Bethlehem. Who in their right mind would leave their family with possibly some of their most precious possessions, travel nine months to the West into a foreign land with a different religion, different ruler, to visit and worship a child? and then return, what sort of dangers would have awaited them? Herod wasn't very happy. And as we talked about the cathedral in Northern Europe that supposedly houses their bones, when it's said they returned to their land, a different way from whence they came, were they murdered? 
Interestingly, in the Museum of Oriental Art in Turin, in Italy, can be found an 8th century Tang Dynasty Chinese clay figurine of what they call Sogdian Man, wearing a distinctive pointy cap, trousers and a face veil appearing to be riding a camel. Very possibly, from the look of this, it's a Zoroastrian priest engaging in a ritual at a fire temple, since face veils were used to avoid contaminate, contaminating the holy fire with breath or saliva. Zoroastrian religion states that active and ethical participation in life through good deeds, formed from good thoughts and good words, is necessary to ensure happiness and to keep chaos at bay. This active participation is a central element in Zoroaster's concept of free will. And Zoroastrianism as such reject, rejects extreme forms of asceticism and monasticism, but historically has allowed for moderate expression of these concepts. In Zoroastrian tradition, life is a temporary state in which a mortal 
is expected to actively participate in the continuing battle between Asha and Druj. Prior to being born, the soul of an individual is still united with its personal higher spirit, which has existed since Ahura Mazda created the universe. In Zoroastrianism, water, which is called Aban, and fire, which is Atar, are agents of ritual purity, and the associated purification ceremonies are considered the basis of ritual life. In Zoroastrian cosmology, water and fire are respectively the second and last primordial elements to have been created. And scripture consist, considers fire to have its origin in the waters. Both water and fire are considered life-sustaining. And both water and fire are represented within the precinct of a fire temple. Zoroastrians usually pray in the presence of some form of fire, which can be considered evident in any source of light, and the culminating rite of the principal act of worship constitutes a strengthening of the waters. Fire is considered a medium through which spiritual insight and wisdom are gained, and water is considered the source of that wisdom. Both fire and water are also apostatized as Yataras, Atta, and Anahita, which worship hymns and litanies dedicated to them. The one may see some similarities between some other religions and the Greek elements, water and fire, or if one has studied Kabbalistic studies through mystic Judaism. or Terosophy, the study of the tarot, where fire is at the top of the tree of life. In Zoroastrianism, when one passes away, a corpse is considered a host for decay, i.e. of Druj. Consequently, scripture enjoins the safe disposal of the dead in a manner such that a corpse does not pollute the good creation 
These injunctions are the doctrinal basis of the fast-fading traditional practice of ritual exposure, most commonly identified with the so-called Towers of Silence, for which there is no standard technical term in either scripture or tradition. Ritual exposure is currently mainly practiced by Zoroastrian communities of the Indian subcontinent in locations where it is not illegal and poisoning has not led to the virtual extinction, extinction of scavenger birds. Other Zoroastrian communities either cremate their dead or bury them in graves that are cased with lime mortar. Though Zoroastrians are keen to dispose of their dead in the most environmental way possible. Zoroastrianism and the Magi. Why is their religion going away faster than most others? While the Parsis in India have traditionally, since the 19th century, been opposed to proselytizing and even considering it a crime for which the culprit may face expulsion, Iranian Zoroastrians have never been opposed to, to conversion and the practice has been endorsed by the Council of Mobeds of Tehran. While the Iranian authorities do not per permit pro pros proselytizing within Iran, Iranian Zoroastrians in exile have actively encouraged missionary activities. With the Zarathustrian Assembly in Los Angeles and the International Zoroastrian Center in Paris as two prominent organizations, and the Federation of Zoroastrian Associations of North America being in favour of conversion and welcoming to converts. Converts from both traditionally Persian and non-Persian ethnicities have be, even been welcomed at international events, even attending and speaking at events such as the World Zoroastrian Congress and World Zoroastrian Youth Congress. Zoroastrians are encouraged to marry others of the same faith, but this is not a requirement outside of traditionalist communities where it is strictly enforced in regards to women marrying outside of the faith but not men. According to Zoroastrian legend, many sacred texts were lost when Alexander the Great's troops invaded Persopolis and subsequently destroyed the royal library there.
According to one archaeological examination, the ruins of the palace at Xerxes bear traces of having been burned. Whether a vast collection of religious texts written on parchment in gold ink, as suggested by the Denk card, actually existed remains a matter of speculation. Alexander's conquests largely displaced Zoroastrianism with Hellenistic beliefs. Though the religion continued to be practiced many centuries following the demise of the Achaemenids in mainland Persia and the core regions of the former Achaemenid Empire, most notably Anatolia, Mesopotamia and the Caucasus, As late as the Parthian period, a form of Zoroastrianism was without a doubt the dominant religion of the Armenian lands. The Sassanids aggressively promoted the Zervanite form of Zoroastrianism, often building fire temples in captured territories to promote the religion. During the period of their centuries-long rule over the Caucasus, the Sassanids made attempts to promote Zoroastrianism there with considerable success. Due to its ties to the Christian Roman Empire, Persia's arch-rival since Parthian times, the Sassanids were suspicious of Roman Christianity. And after the reign of Constantine the Great, sometimes persecuted it. The Sassanid authority clashed with their Armenian subjects. In the Battle of Avaya in 451 AD, it made them officially break with the Roman Church. But the Sassanids tolerated or even sometimes favoured the Christianity of the Church of the East. The acceptance of Christianity in Georgia, which is Caucasian Iberia, saw the Zoroastrian religion there slowly but surely decline. But as late as the 5th century AD, it is still widely practiced as something like a second established religion. Moving forward to more modern times, the Sassanid Empire was overthrown by the Arabs over the course of 16 years in the 7th century. Although the administration of the state was rapidly Islamicized and subsumed in the beginning, there was little serious pressure exerted on the newly subjected people to adopt Islam because of their sheer numbers. The conquered Zoroastrians had to be treated as dhimis, despite doubts of the validity of their identification that persisted down the centuries, which made them eligible for protection. Islamic jurists took the stance that only Muslims could be perfectly moral but unbelievers might as well be left to their iniquities, so long as these did not vex their overlords. In the main, once the conquest was over and local terms were agreed on, the Arab governors protected the local populations, 
in exchange for tribute. Over the next thousand years, persecution by the Islamic Muslim rulers became severe, causing many Zoroastrians to flee into political and religious exile. Places like modern-day Zanzibar, where Freddie Mercury or Farouche Bulsara was born. Today, Zoroastrianism can be divided into two main schools of thought, reformists and traditionalists. Reformists tend to advocate a return to the Gathas, the universal nature of the faith, a decrease in ritualization and an emphasis on the faith of philosophy rather than religion. Not all Zoroastrians identify with either school, and notable examples are getting traction, including Neo-Zoroastrians and Para-Zoroastrians. That was a few pieces by Payman Yazdanian from the album Second Take. We're now going to listen to a more modern song by one of our Zoroastrian friends. Released in 1975. There have been uh, recently a movie made about this band and this particular character. There's a song called Bohemian Rhapsody. Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and Doesn't really matter to me 
Will you do the bandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Galileo Pegaro. I'm just a poor boy and nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, sparing his life from this monstrosity. Easy come, easy go, will you let me go? Bismillah, no, we will not let you go. Let him go. Mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me.
You're listening to The Third Eye. This is Elliot Reynolds. We're talking about the Magi and Zoroastrianism. And it's links to Freddie Mercury. He's under pressure. The last one, we had a Bohemian Rhapsody and a kind of magic. And I think the irony will not be lost on you now after talking about the Magi. So slashed and torn Of course, that was Queen and David Bowie on our Zoroastrian and Magi tribute. This He's one called a Sweet Soul. Here we go, Soul Brother. 
It's one of their B-sides from the 80s. Does he do it? Sure, he's got style. He's so heavy. He's a trip. Do anything. He's the savior of the universe. He can make you keep yourself alive. Make you keep yourself alive. Ooh, brother. Cause he's somebody, somebody you can love. He's my soul, brother. Amazing. That was a B-side of Queen's called Soul Brother. And uh, I just love that stuff, you know, that, that, that link between the Magi. What is it now? Well, we're in 2020, so that was 2026 years ago that the Magi first saw that little uh, line-up of Saturn, Jupiter and the Sun 
in Aries and decided to take a trip across the desert to visit a child from a different country, different religion. Pretty amazing stuff. And how we can tell from their hats, trousers, coins, from the time and calendars about who they were and where they came from and that there are still some, still some major or Zoroastrian people uh, still worshipping in the world now. All right, you're listening to The Third Eye on Radio Blue Mountains and I've probably rabbited on enough. Uh, I think we'll finish off the show and, and sort of uh, take this home now with a little piece by um, uh, a local lady called Bronwyn Kirkpatrick. And this one is fittingly called Renewal.
And that was local musician, shakuhachi player, Bronwyn Kirkpatrick, with her beautiful piece, Renewal. We're going to finish off tonight with a tarot time. And a little piece I wrote called Feels Like Evening. Tarot time tonight, we're going to have a talk about the Knight of Wands. The tarot card, the Knight of Wands, is a step up from the page. He or she is not yet at the level of a queen or king. So keep this in mind when designing your interpretation. The Knight of Wands generally is an excitable and enthusiastic, but also has the ability to actually get things done. The Knight predicts that you will go through a period where you put your foot to the pedal and do some work with regards to a dream you have or some plans you have made. Wands being a fire sign, of course. Wands are knights generally, people of action. It is possible that the Knight of Wands does not represent you, but it could be another person in your life or someone coming into your life who is a real go-getter, who's willing to dispose of their energy into manifesting what they want into reality. Haste is a theme with the Knight of Wands. And while this can be a good thing, it means that the Knight can swiftly enter and leave people's lives. While you can rely on the Knight to build your house, that doesn't mean they will then want to move their stuff in once it's built. Speaking of houses, it's common for the Knight of Wands to symbolize a change of residence. You or someone close to you is probably going to move house. If this is what you want, well, great. If not, beware of your finances. This was taken from divinationandfortunetelling.com. And we're listening to Feels Like Evening, a piece by yours truly, Elliot Reynolds. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Third Eye RBM. 89.1 and I hope you enjoyed our episode tonight about the journey of the Magi across possibly the last 3,000 years and sort of hidden in plain sight with popular figures like Freddie Mercury or Farouche Bulsara
righty, that's us for tonight. Silly on the third eye, thanks for joining us. Radio Blue Mountains. That winds up our first session on the Magi. Right, from where the word magician comes from. Exciting. Next week, Dr. Stephen Phillips and Kate Phillips are joining us to talk yoga, acupuncture, chanting, cool stuff like this. I hope you can join us same time, same bat channel next week. It's a good night from me and have a wonderful week.